1: The time now is uh, ten minutes past the hour, ten o'clock on this the twenty seventh of uh, February. The month uh, wrapping up, the month of love, like some call it, uh, wrapping up as we uh, are shortly approaching March as well. And again, uh, as I reiterated, uh, what just over ninety days, ninety two days to election day, we continue uh, scrutinizing uh, some of the events leading up to what some may call a silly season as well, as we do uh, expect to anticipate the. Uh, uh, the campaign season to be in full swing. Uh, and in the wake of uh, President Sil Ramaphosa's unveiling of the ANC's manifesto over the weekend, uh, South Africa really finds itself at a, at a pivotal crossroads. The manifesto, which of course is the cornerstone of the party's electoral strategy, sets forth uh, this ambitious uh, commitment aimed at addressing uh, pressing issues facing the country. Among these pledges is this uh, creation of 2.5 million jobs as announced by the ANC president Cyril Ramaphosa and also the increase in the 350 rand social relief grant for the unemployed which is another promise made by the president however against this backdrop of economic challenges and past performance Questions really loom large regarding the feasibility of these uh, promises as made by the ANC president, Cyril Ramaphosa. Uh, to delve deeper into the discourse, we are, are now joined by uh, Omri Mahwale, who's a distinguished political analyst renowned for his uh, incisive commentary on South Africa's uh, political affairs uh, with a keen eye as well for detail and a wealth of experience Mahwale has posed uh, to offer us invaluable insight into the ANC's manifesto, its implications, and the path forward for uh, for the nation. Omri, a very good morning to you.
0: Morning, Morning, and Morning to Power. I think.
1: So, the ANC's manifesto, uh, when you look at it, it promises to create uh, 2.5 million job opportunities. That's what it's called uh, 2.5 job uh, opportunities over the next five years. I mean, this significantly raises the bar from previous commitments. But the question is how feasible is this target, uh, especially considering past performance and the current economic challenges that South, Af- South Africa faces?
0: Yes, I think uh, I think it, it's an ambitious number in, in all respects, and uh, I would say that uh, Atlanta, it is possible to achieve it, but as to whether this current team of uh, President Ramaphosa and his ministers are in a position to achieve that, that's another matter altogether. And also the the issue of the electricity, you know, the power generation uh, with ESCOM under these conditions uh, uh, still in tatters, you know, uh, not generating enough power. Uh, I doubt if it can be realized that 2.5, uh, you know, uh, the, the figure they're putting, because at the, at the heart of the industry, at the heart of employment, is the power uh, generation, the electricity. Mm. And at the moment, we don't have enough. We don't have adequate electricity. And uh, the other thing, of course, is the railways. Uh, with with the railways still in Tatars, uh, you know, trucks lining up to go to the harbors, Richards Bay or Devon. You know, taking cold uh, air, You know, under such conditions, uh, it, it's not. It doesn't appear feasible to achieve that. But when you look at
1: South Africa's uh, unemployment rate, it stands at a, at a staggering thirty-one point nine percent, and this is up from twenty-nine percent when the ANC pledged to create, at that time, two hundred and seventy-five thousand jobs annually in twenty nineteen. How possible is it, uh, Daomri? for the ANC to address this uh, worsening unemployment crisis I- effectively as well?
0: It, it can be done, as I say, it can be done, it can be addressed, but you need a different team to do that. You need uh, uh, people who are competent in all the places, especially at EFCOM power station. Yeah. You need competent power station managers, you need competent project managers, so that the, the maintenance of the coal-fired power station can be done properly within reasonable time. Mm, uh, mm. And once that is done, once the maintenance of the coal-fired power station is done within reasonable time, and then the jobs can be you know, created. But with this power condition, it's not possible. Until you sort out ESCOM, yeah. uh, this is just a pipe dream. Until ESCOM is sorted out, this is just a pipe dream in my mind. But it can be done, as I say. Sort out ESCOM, you will do it.
1: Oof. Following that train of thought and and, and also looking at the ANC's promises on service delivery and accountability, I mean, these also come under scrutiny, Daomri, particularly against the backdrop of uh, unreleased lifestyle audits for ministers particularly. How do you assess the party's ability to then deliver on these fronts? And and what implications might this have for its electoral prospects as well?
0: Yeah, look, you know, the lifestyle audit is a critical part of, uh, you know, any ethical government, and we would have wished that President Ramaphosa should put this at the table and put it ahead of everything. You know, if you look at our difference, maybe if you compare South Africa to Singapore uh, in terms of this issue of lifestyle, you'll see the big difference that it creates. So if if President Ramaphosa was firm on this issue of lifestyle audit, uh, all those reports would be out, all those people implicated in lifestyle audit, the problem w- would be removed from offices, would be removed from portfolios. Then we'll have a clean and ethical state and government. running. But at the moment, he doesn't look, uh, you know, having the will to do that. uh, Because he wants to to appease maybe some of his friends there. So, and and that's not good for the country. We need lifestyle audit, Mm. mandatory lifestyle audit for all, from the president to the World Council. And then we'll have a clean and ethical state and government running. But at the moment, we don't have. And I'm afraid uh, that's not good enough.
1: That is simply not good enough. Uh, We're also inviting your calls, uh, power listeners, on 0861-987-000. If you want to add to the conversation as we continue our engagement with the independent political analyst Omri Makhwale, of course, unpacking the ANC's uh, manifesto and some of the promises made by the party as outlined in its uh, commitment to voters for the next five years, should they choose to support the ANC once again. And among the pledges, as you've heard, is the creation of 2.5 million job opportunities and this uh, gradual Increase in the 350 rand social relief grant for the unemployed. If you want to add to this conversation, feel free to call us on 0861 987 000. But uh, for now, we continue with our political analyst, Omri Mahwale. Da Omri, comparing the ANC's uh, 2024 manifesto with its uh, 2019 counterpart what are the key factors or differences or similarities that you noted from the speech this weekend? And how do these reflect the evolving priorities and also the challenges within the ANC and the country at large?
0: Yeah, I think, uh, I think uh, the, the, the differences you know, are, you know, are, not, are not much in my understanding when I look at it, because most of the things that we wanted to achieve in 2019, like the unemployment issues, the power issues, have not really been addressed you know, up to now, and so they are still on the table. And so they are recurring. you know, they are recurring from that manifesto to this manifesto. And uh, I think, what you know, the, the difference between the two, basically, it's a, it's a question of emphasis. But uh, in practical terms, we still have the same problems. still have power problems, we still have unemployment problems, you know, we still have, uh, uh, you know, uh, skills shortage in the country, we still have those problems. And uh, until we address those you know, manifesto items that were raised in 2019 uh, uh, because they're still around, they're still valid even today. Uh, we will still have the same problems. You know, uh, unemployment is a problem and is caused by power and uh, power shortages, electricity, and, and transnet. You mm-hmm. know, uh, you know, railway infrastructure is still a problem. Uh, even today, we, we have trucks going to the Devon Harbor. Or, uh, is, have, so we still have those problems. They, they are recurring, decimals. Most of them are recurring, I would say.
1: So when you look at the track record of uh, the ANC, Daomri, uh, the once indomitable ruling party, which was uh, which held which has held power, I must say, since the end of apartheid under the iconic leadership, some say, of uh, Nelson Mandela and his successes But one must admit that the party finds itself uh, at a crossroads right now. For decades, the ANC has been synonymous with the aspirations of South Africa's liberation struggle, uh, championing democracy, equality, uh, and social justice. But some argue today, daomri uh, that things are completely different. We find ourselves in a completely different South Africa, where people have to contend with a high unemployment rate, a slowing economy, and a high jobless rate, especially among the country's youth. Uh, what's your opinion on this? Omri, can you hear us clearly? We seem to have lost uh, Daomri, but we will uh, endeavor to reconnect with him in a short while. Hey, yeah, Gremlin's really giving us a challenge uh, this morning when it comes to our, uh, our systems. But of course, I mean, that's the nature of live broadcasting as well. Uh, I do believe that we have him back on the call or... Actually, better yet, we will try and get uh, Omri Makhwale on a better line in a short while. But again, inviting your calls, the power list now on 0861 987000, WhatsApp 7093. You can drop us a message there. Twitter it's at uh, PowerFM987 or X. And remember, the show hashtag is Power Talk. Facebook simply search uh, for Power FM. And again, speaking about the promises being made by the ANC in its uh, manifesto launch uh, this uh, past weekend. And as I was saying or pining to is that for decades, you know, the ruling party has been synonymous with the aspirations of uh, South Africa's liberation struggle, uh, championing democracy, equality and uh, social justice. But some may argue that uh, this election will be a a game changer. You know, when you look at the number of parties, uh, independent candidates also uh, contesting these elections as well. And uh, what some say is the ANC's continued decline. Uh, Some pundits are anticipating or saying that we will continue to see uh, a a, a decline when it comes to uh, uh, the number of votes that the ANC manages to garner in this uh, 2024 election. And it reflects not only a loss of confidence in its leadership, but also growing disillusionment with the promises of, a post-apartheid democracy. And despite these initial hopes of a brighter future, many South Africans find themselves mired in, in poverty, unemployment and despair. I mean, even the middle class is uh, heavily burdened and frustrated right now. I do believe that we have uh, Omri Mahwale back on the line. Uh, can you hear us clearly, Mr. Omri?
0: Yes, I can hear you. You know, it was cut off. I don't know what My happened.
1: apologies. My apologies for that. But uh, basically, the 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 thought or the train of thought I was trying to get to is one where we also look at the ANC's performance over the years. For decades, this party has been synonymous with the aspirations of South Africa's liberation struggle. You know, it's been seen as a champion for democracy, equality and social justice. But when you look at things right now, the the landscape has shifted Dramatically in recent years, you know, widespread discontent over uh, corruption, ineptitude in delivering basic services. And this stagnant economy, it really has eroded the party's once unassailable support base. What do you make of this?
0: Yes, I think it's a a valid comment, but the main issue uh, has been the parliamentary of laws. You know, what what has made South Africa ANC to deteriorate like this? is the parliamentary electoral law. ANC has got uh, decent, uh, competent members inside the ANC, but because of the current parliamentary laws, where the citizens don't have the right to directly elect the members of parliament, uh, the the electoral systems inside the ANC have been hijacked, uh, you know, by whether you call it the Gupta or the Watsons, very hijacked it. And so, as such, the current leadership does not necessarily represent the best of ANC members. You know, we've got about 800,000 members. And some of those members are very ethical, competent, but they are not in the office yeah. because of the electoral law. And this is why we've been campaigning to change the parliamentary law so that we have the best candidates of NC in office. At the moment, we don't have. And that's why those that are implicated in the Zondo Commission, VPS, solid uh, waste, are still there. And they are trying to say we must keep them there As if we don't have competent people, Hmm. we don't have ethical people in the ANC. And this is where the downfall is, the parliamentary electoral laws.
1: But as the ANC's dominance wanes, uh, like some argue, or some political analysts argue, uh, there are these alternative political voices that are emerging. Uh, How do you envision the future of, of South Africa's political landscape? And what role might these new actors play in shaping the country's trajectory?
0: Yes, I think most of the new parties, uh, according to my assessment, uh almost more than 50% of the new parties are, are there because the ANC is extremely corrupt at the moment and incompetent. They are there because of that. And if the ANC was ethical, running the state in the top, of, more than 50 of these parties would not be there. Mm. Whether you start from UDM, CODE, EFF, you know, the current ones, uh, ACT, uh, MK political party, all these parties, more than 50% of these political parties are there because the ANC is extremely corrupt at the moment and is poorly run. Uh, and uh, is the, we, we don't deploy competent to politics, And that is the main cause. So, these political parties, the new political parties, of course, what they will do, is, uh, they will bring in new numbers. and uh, uh, But in terms of changing substantially the country, I still doubt. I still think that when mm we need to change the parliamentary law so that we have the best even from this new party, the best going to parliament, rather than to have, you know, those who can manipulate elections in their parties ending up in parliament and the most decent people who are are outside of parliament because of the electoral law, you know. And that is the point I'm I'm, I'm saying. The parliamentary law lies at the heart of our problems.
1: A part of the ANC's headache right now also involves not just the cropping up of these uh, some of these parties that we've mentioned so far you know but uh, historically i mean the the growth of uh, parties such as the EFF, uh, also looking at the official opposition that is the Democratic Alliance, you know, it would seem that uh, the the appetite for contestation looms quite large, especially when pertaining to these uh, these upcoming elections. Some arguing as well that twenty twenty four will arguably be the biggest election, uh, probably even bigger than ni- the nineteen ninety four elections, but. Another subject that has emerged, at least uh, according to what I've observed in recent times, is the participation of of, of young people, you know, and uh, having political parties uh, have this ability to uh, capture the minds and imaginations of of young people. One wonders, uh, why isn't enough being done to really ensure not just the involvement of young people in, in elections, but, but really that uh, the message being delivered by some of these parties, including the ANC, resonates especially with young people
0: yes i think the young people are still are still not on board you know and uh, because most of them really maybe uh, maybe the political parties have not managed to mobilize them you know properly but uh, i think maybe the new parties uh, the new parties might be effective in mobilizing new uh, you know membership and I mean the new uh, youth uh, in terms of uh, the artificial intelligence method or yeah. social media methods to mobilize them. Maybe the new uh, the, the the youth will vote this time in big number, but I, I still think that they don't maybe see the connection between their lifestyle, their their their, their life conditions with the votes, and there, some of them have not related that properly. But they, what their, their votes that they vote for uh, actually. Uh, de- delivers what their lifestyle is going to be like. Someone is not yet related that properly. So I think that maybe it's on, on education side, and the mm. media maybe must educate them so that they can see the relationship between their conditions of life and uh, the politicians in power and in parliament.
1: This is another subject that we'll be getting into shortly after headlines at uh, half past ten. This time speaking about, uh, still continuing with the theme to uh, the road towards the polls on the 29th of May 2024. We will be speaking to James Apani, who's an electoral operations uh, manager at the IEC. Lulu White as well, an elections analyst and founder of the Elections Management Consulting Agency of Africa. They will be giving us uh, some of their perspectives as well as uh, the country gears up for its seventh Democratic National election in 2024 but for now still speaking to Omri a distinguished political analyst as well uh, unpacking some of the promises made by the ruling party at the launch of its manifesto this past weekend in KZN and looking ahead uh, Da Omri ahead of these elections what key factors do you think will determine the outcome of the elections and what are the stakes for South Africa's future and in extension to this question how can the electoral process serve as a catalyst for positive change and this renewal within the nation's political sphere?
0: Yes, I think uh, I think the, the, the important thing with this election is that, uh, at first, it's like a review of the state you would say, uh, of anything in power, and so everybody, you know, will be uh, thinking of what has happened in the past, what will happen in the future, and. Uh, as to whether they... Uh, uh, I think you you ask maybe three questions at the same time, so I. I, <laughs> I can I'm, break I'm, them I'm down individually for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think maybe one at a time is better because otherwise, at the moment, I'm mixed up my mind. You know.
1: Maybe maybe let's do this then. Uh, yeah. I want to find out from you how can the electoral process here in South Africa. Serve as a as a catalyst for positive change and a renewal within the nation's political sphere, especially leading up to these uh, elections. You know, moving up, moving a bit away from just the ANC and its uh, promises.
0: Yes, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. I understand that. You see, as I say myself, I, I believe that we should have parliamentary electoral reform, radical parliamentary electoral reform, and uh, until we have that, until we have. Radical parliamentary electoral reform mm. to allow the citizens to actually directly elect their members of parliament. Yeah. Uh, These electoral processes are not so effective because people can't relate very well uh, their vote to who goes to Cape Town in mm. parliament mm. or who goes to try, uh, the Union Building. You see, so we need to change that law. But at the moment. I think it, the law has been changed partially according to, I think, Dr. Arun Mujali yeah. and the committee. It has been changed partially, but it's not yet enough. And that's where I think uh, the, the effectiveness of the elections uh, can be felt. But the electoral, uh, Independent Electoral Commission should actually do more political, I mean, uh, work, voter education yes, yes. to explain to people uh, why it's important for them to vote. What are the benefits of voting? And maybe they should have enough budget for voter education. And I don't know whether they Mm. afford that uh, budget.
1: Well, the good news is that we will be speaking to uh, James Apane from the electoral operations at uh, the IEC as well. Let me thank my guest, uh, Daomri Makhwale. He's an independent political analyst, really unpacking uh, what transpired at the ANC's uh, manifesto launch in uh, KZN in Durban uh, this past weekend. And as the countdown to South Africa's general elections begins, uh, early forecasts uh, from a number of analysts paint a bleak picture for the ruling ANC, this uh, once indomitable ruling party which has held power since the end of apartheid under uh, the iconic leadership of Nelson Mandela and his uh, successes as well. But the party really does find itself at a crossroads. We do take more of your messages as well on our various uh, social media pages at uh, exits at Power FM 987. Facebook, simply s- search for Power FM and drop us a message there. But for now, let's get the latest in news. Here's Nyakalo.